Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, where we take an insider's look into the training of eight of America's best marathoners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials in Atlanta in February 2020. And in this episode, we touch back in with Lou Serafini. He just finished up the Falmouth Road Race, and I couldn't wait to talk to him about a variety of different things, including his training over the summer after he finished up with the Grandma's Marathon, how he approached Falmouth in terms of you know, with those, with that race, it's usually not people's A race necessarily. And you kind of, in his, as he puts it, you either get people at the beginning of their cycle or towards the end of their cycle. So exactly how he approached the race, how he approached others in the race, and then take a look at his training heading into the fall. We also finish off the podcast with some beer questions. Lou loves his, you know, loves his New England IPAs and his craft brews and all that stuff. And I couldn't wait to talk to him about that. So. With, fur- with no further ado, without further ado, with much less further ado, whatever that saying is, <laughs> my goodness. All right, here's my conversation with Lou Serafini. Lou, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Yes, yeah, I'd like to be back for the next one. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. I've been able to you know, get you on the show immediately following two big races for you, which is always you know fun to kind of rehash how it <clears> went and then talk about you know, what, not only how did the race went, but the, the training as well. And then, you know, take a look forward. Hey, what's coming up next? So before we dive into Falmouth, which is obviously a huge race and internationally known and things like that, just to touch back on where we left off, you, you had just finished off uh, at Grandma's, which didn't exactly go the way you had planned. But obviously, um, you know, for a lot of people, marathons can just be that way. So what has been your, what was your recovery like? post grandmas um in terms of not only the running side but just you know cooling out for a little bit after such a you know difficult and you know lengthy training block uh yeah so it's been it's been a great summer i can't believe we're already like you know dog days of august already um it feels like it just started but um yeah i've tried to take a couple weeks and just not run and and chill and um my girlfriend and I went out to um, to uh, Teton National Park and with her sister who lives in Salt Lake City, and we camped there for a couple nights and um, got to see that and stayed in Salt Lake City for a few days. Um, we also went down to the Cape, so definitely been like traveling around a lot and um, you know trying to just stay busy. Um, and I kind of picked up running again. I'd say like mid July, so I definitely had like a solid, I guess almost a solid month with just like no workouts. I probably took two weeks completely off, 10 days to two weeks completely off. And then, um, did some easy running for about a week and then just like fartleks and stuff really since then. So, um, so far this summer, yeah, like I said, I've just been drinking a lot of beer, hanging out with friends, uh, slowly building up the mileage and slowly adding workouts and putting some races on the schedule, but I'm excited now because, um, because now I, I'm about, you know, 11 to 12 weeks out from the New York City Marathon, which is going to be the next target race. And I feel like I've had a really smooth transition into marathon training again. I'm feeling good and eager to, to start logging miles again. Heck, yeah. I, I, I can imagine. And what a field New York City is going to have. Uh, the elite field announcement for both the men and the women was, uh, hey, I mean, it's, it's what everyone expected. 
um, after seeing the, the after seeing Chicago's uh, field and knowing that you know you really can't you know CIM isn't going to draw the field that it had last year just because it's so late on the calendar. So it was really like New York or Chicago for so many athletes. But when you talk about all right, you took ten days or so completely off from running after grandmas. How has that changed for you over time about approaching? 100% off days after big races like that? Uh, I think it's super important. I think, I mean, I think once a year, at least, you need to take like an extended break like that. And it, honestly, I, I think the one thing people make the mistake of is, you know, they get to the end of the season and they're like, I feel fine. I can keep going um, physically um, and even mentally. They feel pretty strong-willed and, and want to continue on. And that's actually kind of how I felt too felt physically okay and, and mentally felt pretty good as well. But you just need to force yourself to, to take a step back from things and let the mind and the body kind of recover a little bit because you just, you're just constantly grinding otherwise. And if you never give yourself a chance to just like relax and focus on some other things and kind of enjoy the little things a little bit, I think, you know, you're not going to get the most out of yourself later on when it's crunch time. So um, that's definitely something that's evolved for me over the past couple of years. I, I was a big, you know, no days off kind of guy, like three, four, five month run streaks um, and always hated taking time off uh, up until very recently. And now I love it. Um, you know, my girlfriend and I will go play some basketball uh, or go rollerblading or just, you know, try to do little things to stay active that we might not do otherwise and um, or just, you know, not do anything some days and, and kind of chill out and go hang at the beach or, or whatever uh, we have time to do in our in our free time. So, um, so, yeah, I think it's really important. I think it's something that people neglect. Um, I finished grandma's and was like immediately fired up to like get back into it and, and go figure out the marathon. And it was just kind of like, okay, let's take a little break, get some forced perspective. And then when you come back to it, I think, you know, you're approaching it from a much more level mindset and you're kind of ready to attack the things that really need to be worked on. And the two athletes that come to mind in endurance sports who've really embraced <clears throat> that, that time off period and have sustained, you know, lengthy and very successful careers are Mark Allen in triathlon, who also obviously is an unbelievable runner. I mean, the guy could run like a 236 marathon in Kona after at the end yeah. of an Ironman, which is just insanity. And then Bernard Lagat, who obviously yep. is now like someone who's, you know, right at the forefront of, um, you know, for the, for the U.S. American, for the, for the U.S. marathon trials now that he just ran 212 at age 40. I know. It's crazy. And I've always heard, like, I, um, didn't know about Mark Allen. I, I don't know a bunch about the tri scene, but I've, I've always knew Lagat, um, you know, operated on that principle. And, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to take after anyone in the sport, you know, I think he would be one of the, one of the top people that you'd want to kind of try to copy. He, he does everything perfectly. Um, I think he says like time and time again, that he's not changing anything in his day to day. He's just doing what he's done for years and it just keeps working. Um, so, yeah, so no, I definitely, I think he takes like a month or two months off and I'm not, I can't do that. I would go a little bit too crazy, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I've definitely adopted it. And if you lean into it a little bit, it, it can be pretty nice. So. Right. And then there's also different definitions of just the word off in these cases, right? Like, like you mentioned, sure. like you took, you took like a month off, but it was really like 10 days of like no running. Whereas yeah. like. 
the remainder of like the next 20 days was like no workouts. So like the, de- and, and you know, so the definition of off can be different. Like in Mark Allen's case, he would take six weeks off, but like Completely. he would also like be surfing a lot. Okay. So like, he yeah, wasn't yeah. like, he wasn't just like, you know, going through like, you know, DVDs, like on reruns, you know, he was still an active guy, but it was like, all right, the pounding of it was different. And then just the feeling of like, all right, here's an activity that isn't aligned with training. Right, it's completely divorced from any sort of training module or cross-training mechanism. So there's, it just has that that mental and emotional break as well. Yeah, I, I really think it's it's key, and I you know that that's kind of what we try to do too. Just you know, go shoot some hoops, or like I said, go rollerblading, or take a bike ride, or things that um, you know wouldn't take up the majority of my day if I was in the middle of serious training. So the other thing is just kind of like. Running when you feel like it is kind of nice. Um, you know, we have these like really structured routines where we have to do workouts on certain days and long runs on certain days. And it's pretty nice to just kind of wake up in the morning and be like, I think I'm going to go for a 30 minute jog or, um, you know, maybe I'll take today off or whatever. And it definitely is nice to just kind of run when you feel like it and run at the pace that you want to run at. Um, you know, I think that that's something that uh, we definitely take for granted when we're training really, really hard. It's nice to kind of just be able to take a step back and enjoy the little things about the sport. So at what point post grandma's did you start to get that mental itch of like looking at your <laughs> calendar and saying, all right, like I'm getting excited again for a particular race or for this particular part of the ramp up? Yeah, well, I think you you, know, you have that initial like right when the race is over, you're like, OK, I'm ready to jump right back into it. And then you force yourself to take a break and then that kind of goes away. And then when it's time to start again, then you're just kind of, it takes a little longer to get back into it, I think, especially, you know, I'm up in Boston and the summers can be kind of brutal up here. It's hot and humid and, you know, it's it's, been nasty in New England this year. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's it's been rough. Yeah. (laughs) We've, we've definitely, um, I think we can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, but even today it was, you know, if you go on the new england (laughs) strava page it's like every caption is like humid 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 right down the list so um but yeah i don't know for me i so i made this decision to run new york and i fought my coach on it like tooth and nail kind of like we didn't meet in person just over text and i was like hey i got this great opportunity to go to new york you know i've never been invited to be in a pro field before um just something i really want to do and on the other side of the coin it's just like i really feel like I'm someone that responds quickly. Um, like I can rec- I've always recovered really well. And I just, I feel like I need to go out and figure out the marathon distance a little bit better before I go to trials. Like I know I can go out at a certain pace now, but I just, I really want to go out and knowing that I can run a complete marathon at that like 212, 213 range. Uh, so that when I get on the line at trials, I can look to my left and look to my right and be like, all right, I know I can hang with every single person on this line uh, you know, through 20 miles and then we'll kind of see what happens from there. So, um, so I kind of, you know, once I finally won the fight with my coach and he was like, all right, go for it. And, you know, in his defense raised very valid points that I think as athletes we're blind to sometimes, but you know, he was like, well, you just raced two hard marathon or half marathons and then a marathon, uh, all in a one month or six week span. Uh, you sure you really want to go train for another marathon and then go do trials? Um, you know, all really good points. But um, once I finally won that argument, um, you know, then you look at the calendar and you're like, shoot, well, New York's only like, you know, 17, 18 weeks away. 
I got to get a couple weeks of running under my belt before I start like real marathon training. So um, it was a little bit of both, you know, it was a little bit of like wanting to start getting back into that routine, getting the itch to train again, then a little bit of like, oh, you know, kind of have to start um, running a little bit more and turning some of these four milers into eight milers and eight milers into 12 milers. And, um, you know, I, I really believe that you, you do, you know, consistency um, is what, you know, gets you back into shape. And I think uh, you have to do that slowly uh, and progressively. I think some people dive in, do too much too soon, get burnt out, um, get bored with it, just can't, can't sustain it. So, um, you know, just from like a rational perspective, I think I had to look at that, like, you know, the next, you know, early July through late August and say, like, I'm going to need all of this seven or eight weeks to just start building mileage consistency and get back into the swing of what, you know, marathon training is. So, um, so yeah, it was a little bit of both the itch and, and just kind of like having to be on a schedule. So when did you entertain the idea of running New York or any other fall marathon? And when did you ultimately make the decision? Obviously, we know yeah. when the elite field gets announced. Yeah. But what, what was the decision-making process for you like just in terms of a timeline? Yeah. So, um, well, so I've gotten to know uh, David Monty a little bit. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't have an agent or anything like that. You know, I go do everything myself. I'm, I still wouldn't, you know, call myself a professional runner. Um, I don't have someone that goes and, you know, tries to get me appearance fees and stuff like this, but I've gotten to know David Monty a little bit because I've done the midnight run a couple of times, uh, which is a four mile race on New Year's day. And, you know, he's been gracious enough to, to let me into the elite field for that a few times. And I've actually, um, you know, even before I kind of like made a turn and, and started getting a little faster, I had a couple, um, podium finishes there. Uh, they were some of my best races of the year. Um, and then after I won Brooklyn this year, uh, Sam, and David reached out about potentially running New York, um, which is very flattering. I, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't thinking about doing a fall marathon at all. You know, I had all of my eyes kind of set on grandma's. Um, so I emailed him right back and I was like, thanks for the offer. Um, I need to, I need to focus on my race, um, in a couple of weeks. Can I like let you know after? And he was like, absolutely. Like, let us know when the race is over. So, you know, that then I almost immediately went to Randy and was like, all right, I want to do New York now. I want to do another marathon. And he was, you know, that's when we kind of had our back and forth a little bit. And then, um, you know, once we finally decided it was a good idea, um, that was kind of when I went and accepted the offer and was like, all right, let's go, let's go rip a good marathon. And I'm from upstate New York. I've always run well on New York soil. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I've, I've got a, a pretty good following in New York. Tracksmith has a good following in New York. So I'm excited to go down there and, uh, and see if there's a little like, you know, home state magic waiting for me. So we'll see. And when you, you know, you mentioned before that you really want to get, you know, kind of get another marathon under your belt so you can kind of figure it out. And for you, that means basically, I'm assuming just kind of like running to your perceived potential um, mm -hmm. regarding that distance. And you mentioned like the 212, 212, 213 uh, time frame. For you, do you, is that more of like a goal pace or is that more of like, hey, this is the level I've trained at and I just haven't put it together. Um, I try to always go into marathons without a goal time and just tell myself I'm going to race and trust my fitness. And, and I really try to like 
feel, you know, effort level when I'm training so that when I get into a race, I can feel it when I'm racing too. Um, I think that, you know, you never know what you're going to get with weather. I know the field and I know a lot of the American competitors that are in it. So I think for that race, I'm just going to go out and run with those guys that I know I can run with. Um, and you know, if, if a two twelve comes that day, great. If it's a, if it's a two fifteen and I raced hard and, you know, negative split or, um, you know, placed high up for the Americans, that's great too. You know, I, um, I won't go into it with a time goal. I'll just, I think the main goal for me will be running an evenly paced race, I, I think, or just, you know, racing hard and finishing towards the top of those, um, those American guys that are, that are going to be in the race. Um, if I can come out of New York, knowing that I finished strong, you know, that I ran the last six miles hard, that those are my best miles of the race. I think that's, what's going to give me confidence going into trials that I can, you know, be there late in the race and, and, you know, be a contender. So, cause it's going to be a tactical race. I think at trials, you know, um, I would expect a couple people to try to make some breaks, um, and try to get away from the field, but, I won't, I won't be one of those guys. I'm just going to be the person just, you know, rolling the dice and hanging in the pack and hoping that that one or two guys comes back. And when they do, I'm, I'm feeling the best. And I think that that's going to be, you know, the best hand that I can play. So, um, so we're just going to practice that at New York. And they have such a, a deep field in New York that you'll really be able to do that. I remember Parker Stinson last year around this time talking about getting ready for Chicago and his issue was, saying, like, listen, there's some guys in here who are going to run 208, and there's another group of guys who are going to run 214, 215, and there's just not many people in the middle. And for him, Mm -hmm. it was, like, the hard part of, like, so what do I do? Like, I want, I prefer to run run with a group, so what decision gets made here? Whereas it doesn't seem like you're going to have an issue like that, or anyone in New York's going to have an issue like that, just because of the, the depth of the field. Yeah, it is deep. And, and I think it's, I mean, if you look at all the other major marathons in the United States, um, including Boston, I think New York does a really good job of catering to those like lower level, mid-level elite runners, um, you know, guys like me that maybe haven't necessarily run that big time yet, but, um, have the potential to, and I think that's why, you know, the depth of the field is there. So like I said, really grateful for the opportunity. Um, and I, yeah, we'll see what happens on race day, but I'm, I'm hoping for exactly that. Just a bunch of people running in that 212 to 215 range and having a big pack of guys to run with. So let's talk about your summer mileage build um, post grandma's recovery. Specifically, what exactly does that look like kind of a week to week basis once you start getting back into running mode, you know, near the end of July? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, it's just kind of like easing back into it a little bit, turning some four milers into six milers, six milers and eight milers like that very slowly. Then you kind of sprinkle in some workouts and long run starts creeping up a little bit. Um, cause right off the bat, like if you took a month off from workouts, that first one back's going to be hard. And, uh, you know, except for like the first mile, the first mile, you're like, I'm on fire. Like I, yeah, I think I've ever (laughs) been in my life. (laughs) The first week back from running, I was so fresh and I was going out for these like five mile runs and like first half miles. Like, Oh man, like I feel great. Like I can, I can do this all day. Like, why don't my legs always feel like this? And then like two miles later, you're like sucking wind and you can, you know, like, I don't think I'm going to make it to 30 (laughs) minutes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think 
for, for me, I'm the hardest thing is just is just getting the volume up. Um, and I'm not talking week to week. Uh, I've always been a guy who can go out and log 80, 90, 100 mile weeks. Um, I, cause I like doubling, you know, I, I like to get out multiple times a day and the mileage kind of adds up pretty quickly if you do that. Um, for me, it's getting, it's the one longer single run, like getting up over an hour, um, you know, over 75 minutes and just like forcing myself to stay out there longer. Um, that is challenging for me. And I, and I'm trying to make that a theme for myself this fall, you know, taking the higher volume option when I can, you know, doing seven reps instead of six reps, if I have the six to seven option, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Cause I, I really do want, I think that that will cater to a better marathon because marathoners are, you know, really good at just running a long or um, a fast pace for a, like a sustained long period of time. So that's kind of what I'm trying to work. But this summer has just kind of been like, intro to that you know uh, i really haven't done much for workouts um i probably did like three to four fartlek workouts in july for the entire month uh you know two minutes on three minutes off three minutes on two minutes off that kind of stuff and you know i'll do that from anywhere anywhere from five reps to six reps to seven reps and i even did a couple at eight reps um this summer and it, i don't need to like set the world on fire when I'm doing that kind of workout. You know, the reps don't need to be, um, super, super fast. It's just kind of like practice running five minute pace or a little bit under and doing some nice cruisy, cruisy recovery, but doing those like fart, like speed play workouts, I think will build a lot of like baseline fitness going into the fall. Uh, and you know, just get me ready for when I start doing, you know, mile repeats and those faster interval workouts and tempo runs. But, um, but yeah, and then we were down on the Cape um, early Ju- early July, um, just for the weekend. And we've had a group of people together that all decided they wanted to run Falmouth. So I hadn't raced Falmouth in five years, and I knew I wouldn't be like in tip-top shape. But um, it seemed like a good general time of year to put a race on the calendar um, to you know try to get a baseline, see where I'm at. So um, that's when we kind of put Falmouth on the calendar and decided to try to try to go run there. So with Falmouth, obviously there's a couple of mitigating factors. It's a, it's a, you know, the course is rolling. I've run the Falmouth, I've run the Portland, the Portland, I've run the Cape Cod marathon in mm-hmm. the past, which it, it finishes up along the Falmouth course. So I've, I've been on it before. I love the huge numbers in the middle of the road. <laughs> it's really fun to mm-hmm. want to run it. Um, so it is, it is a bit of a rolling course. Obviously it's, you know, a very tough weather time to run any race, right? The humidity, the wind, the heat of the summer is tough. And then just from your perspective, just, just knowing the field, is any does anyone just like use Falmouth as a goal race in and of itself? Like are people actually tapering for Falmouth or is it kind of like you that it's just like it's a race that they do, but it's just kind of part of a larger strategy? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was talking about this with a couple of people and uh, I think you get two types of elites that go and do Falmouth. Um, you know, on one side of the coin, you're getting the guy or girl that is finishing their season. So they went and raced USA's or whatever, and they're just kind of like holding on to some fitness. The mileage is probably down and they just want to cap the year with a couple of good road races. Um, or, you know, you, you've got beach to beacon, Falmouth, fifth half mile. Like there's some good ones with some good prize money. And I think people just kind of like hold on for those. So you see a lot of those types of people. Um, 
you know, Noah Drotti was out there and he's doing Chicago this year. So, um, he, he's obviously in great shape and he had a, he had a really good run. Um, but then I think you also get the type of people that are kind of in the same boat as me where they're like, you know, they ended their season, you know, early, early summer, late spring, and they're just kind of building back into it. And it is a tough, a tough one to kind of jump, jump back into because, you know, they don't mess around, you know, the, the top guys will, will go out in 425 for the first mile and it's, it's not a flat mile. And like you said, the weather's tough. Um, so this was a good for good challenge for me. I was kind of initially bummed. And then once I, once I kind of took a step back and looked at the result a little bit closer, I was pretty happy with how it went. So I think I had a little, a, a little false confidence going into it because I had raced the previous week and it went really well. So, yeah. And you, I, I love that picture. Like you're out in front. Um, you got your, your, your white and red kit was actually looked really good um and then you, know, you you wrote uh in a little bit of like an instagram recap uh so to speak where you know you ran the first 5k in 1440 which is obviously like blazing fast and then you, know, you weren't necessarily able to maintain that pace but you did average sub five minute pace for the overall um you know for the race itself so you said you wanted to use it as a benchmark of sorts for your fitness level, what sort of insight were you able to gain after the fact? Um, yeah. So, uh, the, the week before I did a race, um, which was just an eight K championship race for new England. And I won that race and it had a big hill in the middle, um, like, like a mountain of a hill where like, you know, I think everyone's, I had the fastest third mile split of anyone and it was like a six ten. So it was like literally like straight up. Oh oh, goodness. And yeah, Yeah, I think the next the next fastest split was maybe like a 620 or something like that. But that race, I was kind of like expecting to be around 25 minutes, maybe. Um, the course record was like 2520. And I ended up running like 2425 on that course and, and won by a good amount. So I came out of that race just kind of being like, oh, maybe I'm in better shape than I thought. Uh, maybe I can go, you know finish in the top five at Falmouth and and be one of the top Americans or whatever. Um, so I had a little false confidence going into it. Um, you know, thinking I could run, you know, low 33s or maybe even under 33 on a good day, but, um, (laughs) it was really humid. Uh, like when, when we got to the starting line, it was just like straight fog everywhere. Like, you know, there was no, you couldn't see the sun at all. And we went out for our two mile, three mile warm up. Um, and I was wearing pants because uh, I never know what to do to do in the summer when it's hot. It's like you're going to get warm in shorts, but I feel like I always warm from pants. But anyway, I came out, went out in pants and I don't shave my legs or anything. And I finished the warm up and took my pants off. And like all the hair on my legs were just, was just like soaked, like stuck to my leg. And this is just running eight minute pace. And I was like, wow, I don't know how I'm going to run seven hard miles in this. Um so anyway, but the the race went out and I did exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I went with the top Americans. I think we, we came through a mile on 432 or something like that. And I was kind of mixing it up with those guys, feeling pretty good. And Falmouth is all rolling hills for the first three and a half miles or so, uh, three miles or so. And once you get through those, it's just pancake flat the rest of the way, except for one little hill at the end. And um, <clears throat> yeah, around the 5K mark. Um, I was just kind of sensing that I, I, um, 
you know, wasn't going to be able to continue clicking off those miles. And I, I kind of glanced back and didn't see anyone behind me and kind of made the decision to just run a little bit more controlled. And, and I ended up just kind of locking into five minute pace pretty much after that for the rest of the way. And I, I got picked off by a couple of guys, Riley Masters, like cruised by me, like he wasn't even trying. <laughs> he had done the mile the night before. Um, and I wasn't even expecting him to race. I was chatting with him before the race and he, he went and took some prize money. So that was good. And um, a couple other guys got me right at the end. But I think the main takeaway was just kind of like, you know, you're in a pretty good fitness spot for not having really done any workouts, um, but you've got a lot of room to grow. Uh, and I think, you know, give it a couple more weeks and I'll be able to sustain that early pace that I was running, um, you know, probably over a longer distance than seven miles. I think, um, you know, I've shown that I can run that like low 440s pace um, pretty comfortably. And I, I was glad to see that it's it's still in the legs. Uh, I just got to build the engine a little bit more and um, and it, it'll come. So, uh, so, yeah, after a little reflection, I was pretty happy. Um, and then also a cool thing for me was uh, Falmouth was, I think Falmouth was like the first race that I ever ran after graduating college when I was in like absolutely miserable shape. Um, like I hadn't been running at all. And I think I ran, uh, I don't know, like 37 50 or something like that. And I remember I was like barely top 10 in the women's elite race. And, um, and it was just like a totally miserable experience. So it was cool to go back and PR by like three and a half minutes and, um, know that I can, you know, run a decent time at Falmouth. So I'll have to go back eventually. And when I'm in a little bit better shape and, and see if I can crack the top 10 or, um, you know, mix it up in the front for a little bit longer, but it was, it was really fun. And we knew going into it that it wasn't going to be anything spectacular. Um, so, so it was a good day. Right. Because like you mentioned, you're really kind of going, you know, in this situation where you have some people that are close to the top of their game and you, like some other people are kind of at the other end of the spectrum. And yet, once the race starts, like, shoot, you're all competitors. Like, yep. all that stuff kind of goes out the window once you start moving. And it can be, you know, I, I can imagine, like, in the heat of the moment being like, oh, shoot, like, how come I can't keep up with that guy right now? And, like, kind of losing sight of some of that. And I had a couple friends who were running Falmouth as well who were, you know, solid runners who were, you know, planning on running at, like, high six pace. Mm -hmm. And for an amateur runner, like, that's, that's a really good pace for Falmouth. And, yeah. and they were like... You know, their, their coaches were telling them, like, hey, it's so human. You need to, like, plan on dropping, like, 20 seconds off per mile, like, the goal pace here. Like, because you're not going to be able to sustain it. Like, it was just, it was nasty that day as, a, you know, as a Rhode Islander. I remember doing my workout that day and being like, I'm so glad I'm not running Falmouth right now. Yeah, man, it, it was brutal. And I'm not, like, in a super, like, highly efficient state, I would say, as a runner right now. Um, you know, I think I mentioned I'm just drinking a lot of beer and, and enjoying the summer. And I, I don't think my body um you know is processing the humidity as well as it might as it might do when i'm in tip-top shape so i think that that definitely <laughs> played a little bit of a factor for me um but it was yeah it was it was just a tough day but it was but it was all it was all fun so i think i, so let's I talk, rung out let's talk about the weather there because I, I think that's that's important to understand like when you figure out your scheduling and how you do paces in your training um and workouts how much does weather play a part in either the scheduling or the paces for you and Randy? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, if we know it's going to be brutal, like we'll, we'll change the workout. 
Um, you know, one, I only met him for one workout this summer cause he, he goes off and retreats to Western mass and <laughs> takes his little, uh, vacation for the summer. Um, but we, we did meet for one workout early on. I think it was like my second, second workout back or something like that. Um, I mean, there's a, a beautiful reservoir over by Boston college. It's a mile and a half around cinder, cinder path. And, um, he's got like the, <laughs> all the mile markers, like by memory, you know, he's not a GPS watch kind of guy. He's like, you know, that boathouse is 800 meters. That bench is a mile. That boathouse is 1200 meters. So, um, yeah, we went out and the goal was to do like eight by 800. And I was working out with another guy. Um, and we we're going to take like a minute rest and honestly just do it, a do them at like two thirty pace, just reintroduction to like running five minute pace basically. And we got through three and we came back and it was like, you know, we did, we we're doing it in the middle of the day and I think it was 90 degrees and, uh, we felt fine. Um, we could have kept going at that pace, but he was like, you know what, let's, it's hot. Like, let's just do it in sets, you know, after the fourth one, take, take a little more rest, um, recover a little bit and then do the second one. So he's good about like adjusting the game plan for, for weather. Uh, and I think we'll always kind of take the easier option, uh, when it's in front of him, uh, knowing that like, if he doesn't give it to me, I'm just going to do with the, whatever the original plan is. And I think that that can be definitely a little bit detrimental sometimes. And you can kind of dig yourself a little bit of a bigger hole when you do that. But, um, knowing that I was racing Falmouth, I actually did try to do some of my workouts a little bit later in the day, just to kind of practice running in the heat and humidity a little bit. Um, so I did one, I did eight by three minutes on two minutes off on the river, um, at like noon on a humid day. And it was really hard, like five minute pace and the humidity is not the same thing as five minute pace, you know? Um, when it's nice and crisp and nice and cool. So I think it's just, you know, being smart and listening to your body at all times and, and knowing that the weather can play a pretty serious factor because um, you never know what you're going to get. And that's when it, it's like vitally important to be able to listen to your body and know um, how to how to handle those types of days. Absolutely. So one more question before I have some beer questions for you um, yep. <laughs> is, so you, you know, you talked about the New York City Marathon. Do you have any races on the schedule, uh, you know, in preparation for New York. Yeah, I'm going to do the, um, us 10 mile champs in Minneapolis. Um, I'm really excited for that. 10, 10 miles is kind of like bread and butter distance for me. I think, you know, anything that's in that like 10 K to half marathon range, I think is really my specialty. Um, you know, I've got a good six or seven weeks to, to log some, some big mileage weeks and actually start doing some interval workouts and getting pretty fit. So, um, so yeah, that'll be next. I think, um, I might try to squeeze something else in just to kind of like tune up a little bit before it, but, um, traveling a lot for work, uh, this fall, we're doing some activations in New York and Chicago ahead of those marathons. So I don't have a ton of free weekends, but that's the next big one on the schedule. Uh, and then I really would love to do Mayor's Cup if it works with timing and with my schedule. Um, it's a an 8K cross-country race over at Franklin Park. Usually draws like a decent pro scene, but I've always wanted to win Mayor's Cup. Um, it's just a cool race and I love Franklin Park. Um, I think I was fifth last year. Um, usually the top BAA guys will go out and do it. Uh, Trevor won it. Trevor Dunbar won it last year, but I'd love to go out and just, uh, 
do what I did last year and mix it up with the leaders and, and see if I can get the win there. I think that would be really cool and give me a lot of confidence going into New York. So those are the only two that I'm like kind of like targeting right now ahead of ahead of New York. So so for US 10 mile champs, what would a like how would you go into that race just from a training perspective? Like like the like the five to six days leading into that trace, would it be kind of like a mini, a mini taper or how would you, how would you approach that? Yeah, it'll be some, something along those lines. Uh, I think the race is on a Sunday, so it'll probably be the, the same exact week as I would do normally through Wednesday, which is like a midweek long run and maybe a little shakeout after that. So it's a pretty big mileage day. Um, and then instead of doing like that second workout on Friday, um, you know, it, it'll probably just be like some super light pickups on Friday, um, and then a pre-race on Saturday. So the mileage kind of like will naturally come down 10, 15 miles that week, just cause I'm going to have a pre-race in there and, and Friday will probably be a little bit lower volume than it, than it usually would be. Um, cause I think, you know, one thing that we do well, I think is, is really putting the emphasis on, on races, um, you know, I, th I really believe that races kind of get you from A to B to C in your training and you need to put a couple of them on the calendar to help stay motivated and help, you know, get you through a training block. And I do see a lot of people that, you know, they have that like ultimate race goal at the end of the training block and they put everything towards that and they will like, you know, literally go out and do like 15, 20 miles a day before a race because they want to keep their mileage up. Um, but we really, you know, if there's a race on the schedule that we're focused on, uh, we try to make sure that once I get on the starting line, I'm going to be feeling fresh and, and ready to, to mix it up and run fast. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Beer questions. Okay. First of all, right now, if you could have any three beers in your fridge on August 21st, which beers would they be? Um, well, my favorite, like drinkable beer, um, that I just, you know, I'd like to try to keep a 12 pack at all times is there's a, a brewery up in Salem called, um, notch and they make, um, all sessions. So like less than 5% alcohol. So they make an IPA called left of the dial and it's just like super light and super drinkable. Um, and I really like IPAs. So like after, after a run, you know, it's, it's easy to crush a couple of those. Um, and then I'm like, I've been really into, um, we live like you know, three quarters of a mile from Lamplighter Brewery, which is a really popular craft brewery in Boston or in Cambridge. And they, they make a bunch of really good New England IPAs. So it's just like very juicy and again, like good post run. So um, we always, we always joke, they come out with like a new IPA every single week and we always joke it's the same beer and they just put a different label on it probably. <laughs> but any, any, any New England IPA from Lamplighter would be the second one. Definitely. Um, and then the third one, uh, I've been kind of getting into sours a little bit this summer, um, which I never used to be. It's, it's funny, like Gabby and I, when we started dating, um, she would only drink sours and I kind of only would drink IPAs and we kind of flip flopped a little bit now where like, she's drinking a lot of IPAs and I've kind of been drinking a lot of sours, but, um, there's a couple of good sours that I've been kind of dig in this summer but um we had a good one that we actually did at Jacksmith. um we did a collaboration with mystic brewing which is another local brewery here where we made a 
a beer called the Postron Goza and it's got like real sea salt in it and it's just very like tart and refreshing post-run. So if you go out for like a really hot, you know, 10 mile or whatever, or hard workout, it's just, it just tastes really, really good ice cold. So I would say those, those would be the three, a, a light IPA, a New England IPA and a good sour. All right. So I haven't gone down the sour route route before. I know they're, they're out there. They're so ubiquitous now. But I think it's the name of it is like puts me off. It's like, all right, it's I don't a, do I do I, do I yeah. want to take it? Like with food, I'll try anything. But with beer, I'm like the opposite. I just like stay with my really? tried and true. Yeah, it took me a long time. Um, I did not like them. And it, I kind of just had to like, you know, every time Gavi would order one, I would try it. And then like, you know, sometimes you go to a party or uh, cook out or something and there'd be one there. And I would just grab one just to kind of like, See if I could acquire a taste. And then I don't know. One day it just kind of clicked. One day I was craving one and, and haven't really looked back. So, but I'm still, I think, I think a good New England IPA still trumps all for me. So there you go. So you're, you're a big craft brew guy. You got that regional thing going, which a lot of people do. So, mm-hmm. with that being said, because we have people listening to this from all over the place, let's talk a second about more mass produced beers, specifically. For you, your most underrated versus most overrated mass-produced beer? I think in the summer, a good uh, a good Corona with a, a lime uh, just really hits the spot. So I would say that's the most underrated. I think that some, sometimes that gets a bad rap, but I, I don't think, um, you know, if you're sitting outside and just kind of hanging out, an ice-cold Corona with a fresh lime, you can't beat it. I think that's like, 10 out of 10. Um, I'm just kind of, that's a seasonal pick, I guess. And then uh, overrated. Um, this is probably like definitely unpopular opinion, I would say. Uh, but I'm kind of over uh, Blue Moon. Um, I used to, um, that used to be a, a popular pick. Um, for me, like in the summers, you know, blue moon with an orange, an orange slice in there. Um, but it doesn't really, I don't know. It doesn't really do it for me anymore. I think it, it kind of lacks flavor. And, um, you know, I think that that's a lot of people will just kind of like push the panic button and pick that one because they know it's going to be decent. But I think that, uh, there's, there's some other more flavorful options out there, I guess, if I had to, if I had to pick one. Um, but yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big, like, not a big super mainstream brewery guy, you know. I'll, I'll occasionally have like a, a Sam Boston Lager or something like that. Um, or you know, if I'm at a party, like you know, I'm not a snob. Like I'll drink, I'll drink PBR. I really like Tecate, which is kind of like a, a more hipstery, um, you know, Corona, I guess. But um, or I'll even, you know, I've been known to to drink, you know, <laughs> three to seven. And Bud Light bottles out of the bar, but um, but yeah, no, I I think I would I would say uh, you know, Blue Moon slightly overrated for me. So yes, I'm I'm 100 on board with this. Is that is okay. not an unpopular opinion here on this podcast because I am All right. I have never been a fan of the Blue Moon um craze. I just never could wrap my head around it. So I'm all I'm I'm 100 with you. So I'm so glad you went that route. So for oh, me, yeah. that, that, right. that, that, like that's it. a definite. Good stuff. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for thanks a lot for coming on. I can't wait to get, to reconnect with you around uh, U.S. champs, either uh, U.S. ten mile champs, either before or after. In the meantime, good luck with your training. Thank you so much. It's been it's been fun coming on again, and 
yeah, I'm hoping to have a, a better race result for you. I feel like the, the last two have been a little suboptimal. So I'll make sure I get nice and fit and, and we'll have something good to talk about. Yeah, do it. Do it for me, Lou. If you're losing motivation, just do it for me. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll, I'll think <laughs> of right. that. All right. Talk to you later. Much appreciated. See ya. Lou, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always such a fun time talking to Lou about his training and life. So thank you so much again for coming on the show. Also, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, go ahead and do it. Recently, we've moved to one episode per week just because August was a little bit more of a, of a laid-back time period for the eight people who were following. But as we dive into the fall, we got some big marathons coming up, post-marathon, and then we dive into winter and getting really tuned up for Atlanta, you're going to want to subscribe because we're going to move back to the two-episode model per week relatively shortly, and you don't want to miss a thing. So again, thank you so much for rating, reviewing, and sharing the show. I appreciate it so very much. Have a wonderful day, and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti, from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.